0: Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. And now, um, time for Rob to come up. We're going through a series on Paul and... um, yeah, I'm enjoying this series. It's fantastic, so keep it up, Rob. Yeah. That <laughs> no, you'd be great. Let me just pray no for pressure. <laughs> Let me just pray for Rob and for us. Lord, we do uh, we thank you for your word. Mm-hmm. And um, Lord, we thank you for for the lives of ordinary people who um, who've done extraordinary things that we can um, that we can learn from. And Lord, I pray as, as Rob reveals more of, uh, of Paul, um, I pray that it would strike a chord with us, Lord, that we would um, be inspired and encouraged. Mm. Lord, bless Rob now and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. You've done so well leading us uh, in a just slightly alternative worship, isn't it, at the moment? Um, and I know it, it takes a little while, even for us, I think, Who are there worshipping just to kind of adjust to it and go oh okay how do we this is a bit new let's try this so good on you for having a go thank you for kind of bearing with us we just thought through this month we would just do something a little bit different worship wise until we can take these blasted masks off Um, we uh, like Steve says this uh, this series that we've been doing has been really good and it's particularly um, down to the quality of the speakers um, and uh, I just I wanted to say thank you again to Beck. Did an absolutely amazing job last Sunday. So um, yeah, just lovely to, to hear the word preached so beautifully. Um, we, like I mentioned before, we took a trip up to um, just north of Burke. Uh, in the middle of the year and uh, to come and go and see some of the work that Raw Impact was doing there. Uh, I went up with Chris and Harry, you may remember me talking about this, it was months ago, but um, one of my rather fond and slightly um, embarrassing or awkward memories of that time was there was a particular time when as a team we were Uh, sort of just starting to gather and getting to know each other and then uh we had three of the aboriginal elders that we were working with come and join us and they sort of sat on a table on their own uh from the rest of the team and um troy came over to me and he said can you come and meet these guys i'd love to say hello and um so i went and sat down and uh and and they were in the middle of a very kind of like conversation i remember sitting there going this is new okay like let's let's see how they're going to bring me into this conversation they're kind of like let's just see what the dynamics are when you you know whenever you're chatting with somebody which I've done many times over the years from very different backgrounds there's always a kind of like etiquette and social protocol and all that kind of stuff like, I wonder how this is gonna go and then after a while one of the guys who I got to know eventually quite well a guy called Philip he just turns to me and he says he hasn't said anything up to, to me up to this point he just turns to me and he says what's your flow brother and I kind of went, oh, what's your flow? And I thought, kind of did that, oh, I'm sorry, I, I don't really, I don't quite know what you mean. Terrible, terribly sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> did my English kind of, you know, we're good at saying sorry uh, back in England, every other word, sorry, sorry. So after like quite a few awkward, like, I'm, I'm really sorry, he just kept asking me the same question, what's your flow? What's your flow, brother? And at that point, you know, I don't know if you've been in one of those sort of conversations. You look at the other people in the conversation for help. You're like, (laughs) are you going to help me out here? And one of the other guys, one of the other elders, he turns and he just laughs. He just laughs laughs at me. He just thought he's having a whale of a time. He thought it was hilarious. Just seeing me squirm just that little bit more. And eventually they were very kind. And Philip turned to me and and he explained to me what he meant. And he said, look, we all have some water, some body of water that we've kind of grown up with or, you know, spent time around. I'm thinking, I'm not sure I do, but okay. And, you know, it's kind of our water. It's part of our identity. That's that's how he explained it to me. And he said, and that river, that stream, it flows. Eventually it joins up with another river, somebody else's river. And then that flows together. And eventually that joins up to somebody else's river. And he said, tell me which you know, what river is yours? I thought, oh, flip. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the River Avon or something? I don't know. <laughs> Fish out of water, I was. Oh, very good. And um, I wasn't meant to be a <laughs> pun. <laughs> but he said, he said to me, you know what? Eventually, all those rivers, they flow into the, the great oceans. And together we come as one. It was a beautiful picture. And I, can I encourage you, if you're coming up, up to um, the Morawai Nation with us, I'm looking forward to, interview, uh, to introducing you to Philip. He's a lovely guy, lovely Christian man. But, um, you know, in some ways, that's kind of why we're doing this series. Not so much Philip's point, but just that dynamic of when you, when you understand where people are coming from, you get a sense. When you understand their story, you get a sense of what they're talking about. It makes more sense. And I, it took me a while to kind of... Get to learn a bit about the story behind the question, behind what we were even, you know, the conversation. And I, that's actually kind of what, um, why we're doing this series on Paul, why we're looking at life, the person, the story of Paul is because if so much of what we learn and we try to study in the scriptures in the New Testament, so much of it comes from his story. And it's quite hard, actually, uh, we're likely to get it wrong, to sit there like I did squirming. We're likely to kind of get it wrong and not really be able to ground what we're reading into our lives if we're struggling to know how, does this, how is this grounded into his life. So that's really what we're, what we're doing this series for. And today we're going to look at um, a great passage from Acts 16. If you've got your Bibles, can I encourage you to get them out, whatever form they take? Because um, I'm not, there's like uh, 36 verses, I'm not going to read them. I'm going to show you a short little entertaining clip, so you don't fall asleep, and because I know you've missed the kids' church videos, <laughs> all right, but then we'll get some, then we'll talk about it with the, with the verses up. So have the, have the verses up, and then we'll do the cheat video, all right? Let's go with the video.
1: Slapstick Theatre. Paul and Silas. This is Paul. Hey who told people about Jesus in lots of different places. One day, Paul was walking with his friend Silas. Hey yo! They were being followed by a girl who was controlled by an evil spirit. Her owners used her to make money. After days and days of this happening, Paul got so annoyed that he turned around and told the evil spirit to leave her. So the girl was freed. But her owners got mad at Paul and Silas because they wouldn't make any money off her anymore. And they had them thrown in jail. The jailer locked them up. Oh, man. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was an earthquake and the chains of all the prisoners fell off. Oh, what just happened? but Paul and Silas didn't leave, even though they could have. Several people decided to follow Jesus that night, including the jailer and his whole family. And the next morning, they were released from jail, and the city officials even apologized to them. Sorry about that. Paul and Silas encouraged the Christians in the town, and they continued on their mission to tell people about Jesus.
0: See ya. There you go. Don't you love it? Isn't that fantastic? (laughs) Um, That was stolen. We didn't put that one together. Um, So let's have a quick look at that passage. Now you've got the overview. There you go. Uh, We're going to have a quick look at Acts 16. One One of the most kind of standout moments, isn't it, from that passage, from that story, is the moment where Paul and Silas are in prison and they've been stripped and beaten we're told uh, thoroughly flogged i got that right this evening's video i said thoroughly flogged <laughs> thoroughly flogged um and uh so they've had a pretty rough time of it and they've been thrown in prison and you would wonder i don't want to i wonder how i would cope with that i don't know how you would cope we're talking a lot about coping at the moment with <laughs> a long year that we've had. I'm not sure I'd be singing and, uh, and worshipping in quite the same way, but they are full of joy. They're singing out, they're worshipping God, and in that moment, the power of God comes. An earthquake. Um, and I wonder if it was just an earthquake. I feel like An earthquake wouldn't quite shake the doors off and the chains off there. I think it's got to be something that felt like an earthquake, but was the power of God coming and um, breaking the doors off. And they just sit there, completely free in the midst of a prison. You know, and I think one of the things I first want to just kind of draw out is this is such an encouragement for. For us, and particularly if you, for those of you today who are feeling imprisoned, there are so many different things going on in our lives, and many people don't know what they are. You know, we have the sort of life that we live that people can see, and then the life that we live that people can't. And in that layer, there can be so many things that we feel trapped in and imprisoned by. And. Um, One of the things that the Scriptures teach us again and again is this, and we see this in Paul's example, is worship. Worship is one of the keys to bring freedom. And actually, to do more than that, to bring the reality of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's one of the keys. I love how we see, you know, I imagine that there's Paul and Silas and they're singing the Psalms. And I, bet you that, I bet you that's what they're singing. you know. They're singing the Psalms all about God's deliverance and God's salvation and God's love and mercy and God's power over any authority. And they're proclaiming the truth about who God is and what God does and how he delivers his people. And then the power of God comes and sets them free. Poof! Breaks the prison. And I love that picture because what they're doing is they're literally reaching up into heaven and pulling it into earth through their songs and through their worship and through their prayers. And that is such encouragement for us. So can I encourage you in those moments where you are like, I am just, I don't know how freedom is going to come in this situation for me or for this person. Worship the Lord. Come before him. Declare his goodness over those situations. But there are a few other characters in this story who are also in prison. One of them we meet right at the beginning of the passage is this slave girl. We don't know her name. But um, she is imprisoned by evil spirits. Probably from some kind of occult practices. We don't kind of get told how she ended up in that situation. But she's being extorted like so many vulnerable women today, by powerful men and being taken advantage of. And so she follows them around, shouting out, you know, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And Paul, as we saw in that little clip, he turns around, he gets so annoyed with her, I put, it up for, put up with it for a few days. But eventually he turns around and he tells the Spirit to leave her. And she is freed Instantly, by the power of God, from that imprisonment, from that bondage, by evil spirits. Again, we don't really know kind of what happens to her with her owners, her slave owners. But we do know that the authority of darkness that bound her has been broken over her life. Now, another person, you've got to kind of go with me on this one. Another person that's in jail is the jailer himself. If you have a quick look here, right towards the end of this passage in sort of verse 31 through to about 34 or so, we read about how he comes, and it's sort of spoilers here, but he comes and he he, he um, turns to the Lord and his, he becomes a Christian. And he says, it says that the jailer took them and washed their wounds and immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them and he was filled with joy. And when it was daylight, the magistrates come and take Paul out of the jail. So somewhere there, Paul is sort of out of jail, but not out of jail. And I think what's going on is the jailer is effectively, he lives in the prison, kind of has his house, his family adjacent. So Paul and Silas are not going far. They're kind of still in prison. They're still, and they're definitely under the, prison, the jail Um, the jail's sort of like authority. And so literally this jailer is in prison all of most of his life. That's where he lives. That's where he works. And potentially that's even where his family hang out. It's a pretty dreary place to raise some kids or to have your family or even just to spend any length of time. And yet he also, by the power of God, he has a complete change in heart. You know, he watches God's power break the prison doors off and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says these words, believe in the Lord Jesus. He says to him, switch allegiance. A change of master is what's required here. And he and his household are set free. And I love this phrase. It says it, they were filled with joy because he had become to believe in God. So this passage is in many ways about freedom and about captivity and we've, um, can I suggest, we've become quite familiar with the concepts of freedoms, haven't we? What are we allowed to do this week? (laughs) Can we shake hands now? Seems like we can do that now. I'm not sure when that changed, but we've kind of gone from bumping arms to handshaking. Uh, But can I take my mask off now? Like, when can we sing? Like, I don't know about you, but certainly more recently, it kind of feels like every day we're looking at the rules again. And, uh, and freedom, in many ways, has come, become about what am I allowed to do or what am I not allowed to do? Really interestingly, Paul, uh, five times throughout his letters, he uses this phrase to describe himself. He says, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. A prisoner. Now, you could say, well, that's right, Rob, because almost all the letters he's writing, he's sitting in prison. Maybe it's become a bit of an in-joke. He's like, I'm in prison so often when I'm writing these letters, I'll just call myself Paul the Prisoner. But I kind of think it's taken on a bit of a new meaning. In our kind of democratic culture, to be captive, to not be free, kind of means we, we can't do what we want to do. But in Paul's thinking, freedom and captivity, it's not about so much what you can do and what you can't do. It's about what authority are we under? Whose authority do we place ourselves under? I want you, if you can, just to jump with me to Romans 6. Romans 6, Paul uses this metaphor of slaves. And it's a bit of confronting... Because we don't like that language, but it's very familiar for the people that he was writing to. There were slaves and there were free men. And uh, so he uses this metaphor and he sort of says, I'm using a metaphor just so you get it. All right. But he says this in Romans 6 verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. So when you were under this authority of sin, when you were slaves here under this authority, you weren't under this authority. You were free from God's righteousness. You were kind of not under the authority of God. But then in verse 22, he says, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. So he's saying you have moved from this authority, from the authority of darkness, to the authority of, or the kingdom of, light. And, uh, you know, Paul, he does, he does something here that challenges, I think, our modern concept of what it means. Uh, we we kind of like to think that we've sort of moved, even as Christians, I don't know about you, I like to kind of think that I've moved out of, you know, being enslaved to sin and now I'm kind of my own master. I get to do what I want to do. And in some ways, God's all for that. But he knows that the things that I want to do, they have a tendency of enslaving me. When I get to do the things I want to do, they are, like Paul says in Romans 7, they, they're not what I really want to do. And they tend to kind of catch me again in slavery. And so God knows that the only way that freedom comes from understanding that I do not have authority over my own body, over my own self, but I yield it to Christ. Now, some of you are going, oh, hold on a second. Paul says, I'm no long, we're no longer slaves. Like, how does that... <laughs> you know, doesn't that kind of like... Isn't that a contradiction? What's going on here? Does God want us to live in bondage to everything that he says? You see, that kind of tyrant master, like... No, that's not the father that we have. That's not the master we have. It's actually a question of rules. It's a question of ruler. Who is our master? Because actually, that's just how we're built. And we cannot kind of exist in a place where we don't have authority over us. It's just not how things work, as much as we think they do in our world. They don't. We either have to choose a master who is a cruel, enslaving master that promises the world but delivers nothing—that's sin—or a master, a loving, good master who now calls us friend. But he is master. He is lord. I think, particularly, the Lord's been talking to me in the last couple of weeks about this. I so often—don't know about you—I so often say, "Lord Jesus." When I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, will you do this? It's almost like, a, you know, the word that you kind of insert in prayers without really thinking about it. But it means, what does it mean, Lord? Like, it's like prime minister or president. It's a title of authority. And so I've started to try and say master. My sons love it because they think I'm kind of getting into the Jedi thing. But it's like, you know, it's kind of like Master. All right, that means I don't get to do everything I want to do. That means I've got I to gotta live under his authority. Because that is our walk, isn't it, folks? Every day, to truly be free, if you want freedom, to do that, it means it, we make it our life's work to put ourselves and our, every part of our lives under the authority of Christ and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And we, we love to talk about the Holy Spirit in this church. We love it. But one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he is passionate about everything going under the authority of Christ. And He, if you let him, he will work us, <laughs> work out those bits of our lives that are struggling with it. So part of us going, calm, Holy Spirit, is yeah, we love the, the, the sense of his presence and love. But he's also going, I want to bring authority over your life too. Folks, and that's good. That's a good thing. So we lean into the work of the Spirit, knowing that He brings the authority of the Master over our lives. What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? And I'm kind of coming into land here. A couple of things. One is, and I love this um, Matthew 12, 29, Jesus says, How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? And then he can plunder his house. Now that might seem a little bit weird. Why is Jesus plundering houses? What's going on here? What he's saying is, if if you're going to be free from something, if you're going to take out the thing that needs to be taken, you've got to tie up the one who was the master of that place. And in, in saying that, Jesus is saying, I can do that. I can do that. I can come and bring freedom because I can bind the old master. And that's a big question. We kind of go, yeah, Jesus is Lord, fantastic. What that means is that the ones, the lords of our life, the masters that control, and we don't like to talk like this, but it's true, the parts of my life where actually I've given authority over to sin and darkness, they have become the masters. And Jesus says, I'm strong enough To tie those masters up and to bring you into freedom. If Jesus is Lord, it means he has the strength to release us from our old masters. And sometimes the reality of walking out the Christian walk, it actually brings a doubt in our minds. Is Jesus strong enough? Because I'm still struggling here. Has he set me free? And the question, the answer is he makes really clear is Jesus is Lord. That means he is. That means he is strong enough. That means he is Lord over every other Lord. And that means he has set us free. And so when we're struggling with those things, it might be money. It might be that, you know, the, the kind of just need for more or worrying about money. is just kind of holding us in captivity. It might be work that we just can't seem to kind of like let go of. Some of you folks, you, you, you're working seven days a week, not taking that rest, and it just, and you don't feel like, like it, I just wanna say, you don't feel like you have an option, maybe at the moment. And I, I wanna kind of just gently challenge you, if you know that's you, if Jesus is Lord, and he says you need a break, you need to take a day off, each week, then you've got to ask yourself, one, is he Lord? And two, can you trust him? Can you trust him to provide? Because maybe that's the reason why that you're not doing that. Whatever it is, maybe there's certain relationships that you just feel enslaved by, you just can't be free of, or spiritual oppression. Maybe there are, you know, there's dark thoughts, disturbing thoughts, lust, There is so many different things the enemy throws away and says, I'll take over that. And Jesus says, "Now I have the power and I will release you. And sometimes that, you know, we we get up and walk out the cells straight away. And other times it's a long process of healing and restoration into that freedom to walk out that freedom. But he always sets you free. Because he is Lord. The other thing, if Jesus is Lord, that actually changes what we do with each other, how we relate to each other. I like this title, "Prisoner of Christ," like prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. Partly because it means if we're all, we kind of all, if we're all prisoners, we're all in the same, we're we're just in the same boat, right? No one's more important. There's no other, you know. There's no chief prisoner. Or if there is, they're worse than everyone else, right? So, that's just, we're in that same boat together as a church, as the body of Christ. I'm no more important in this church than you are. No one else is more important than anyone else. The only one who's lifted up is the master. And that's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. And lastly, it also means we get to live in joy. And I'm, I'm kind of like... I wasn't sure whether to call this talk a different, I think it was meant to be something like the joyful servant. And it's true, it, it, we are called to live in joy, but that, it comes from living under the authority of Christ. It's kind of like an upside down kingdom. The world says to us today, if you want to be happy, be free of anybody else's control. But Jesus says, you, you've got to come under me, and then you will know true joy and true freedom. And we see it, don't we? We see Paul in prison going i i don't need to run the doors are open but i don't need to run because i am in freedom and he sits there in joy and i love that picture because that's what christ invites us into he says come and be captivated by me will you stand with me i'd love us just to pray together Lord. I just want to begin just by asking the Lord to um, come by his Holy Spirit and do what he loves to do. He loves to show us Jesus, to magnify him. And as he settles, as he fills us, he loves to bring that freedom that comes. With Christ. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you today, ask you now, come, Lord Jesus, come by your Spirit. Now let Him come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We call you Lord. We call you Lord. Come and have your way. Just sense him saying, I've got purpose for you. I have calling for you. Some of you felt like we don't, where's that gone? Maybe this year, just being thrown around by all the circumstances and the Lord saying, "No, you belong in my household and I have purpose for you. For some of you, it's like, I'm not sure who's going to look after me. And the Lord's saying, you're part of my household now. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to protect you. You're mine. You're mine. I'm not letting you go. It's a good thing. You don't don't want him to let you go. And Lord, we bring the things that we know need your freedom just to blow through. And uh, Lord, we know that if they're going to shift, we have to let them go. So Lord, we let them go before you this morning. And we ask that you would come by your spirit as we declare your goodness and your mercy, as we worship you, come by your spirit and have your way. Establish your authority over our lives, over every part, Lord. Lord, we declare you are Lord over every master, Lord of lords, King of kings. Lord, we break now any other authority we set under your name, Lord. Declare Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And lastly, we just as we come into land, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fill us and empower us. You direct us and control us. We yield to you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Folks, thank you. It's good to pray. Do take a seat. I just wanted to finish up by saying, for some of you know as we're praying, you may have even felt a slight tension, like a, almost a restriction. I just got a, a word, like for some of you it might have be been around throat even. That was pretty dramatic, but it could even be in other places where you just feel a kind of grasping. And I, I don't want to kind of open that up right here. I don't think that's quite the right context, but um, I do want to encourage you, if you, you just get a sense that there is a there is a kind of captivity internally that needs to be released. We'd love to pray for you that God would come and bring that release. <clears throat> um, in fact, what I'd rather encourage you to do is connect with somebody, maybe part of your life group, and you spend a bit of time just praying into that. Um, but also, we're going to be doing Set Free fairly soon again. We'd really want to encourage you. If you know there's some areas there that need to need to see freedom in, that you'd sign up and do Set Free um, Because God wants us to be free of this stuff, guys.